Hello, everyone. In this podcast, we will be discussing sensitive topics such as sexual assault. It's important to take care of yourself while listening. Some suggestions are listening while you're in a healthy headspace or knowing who you can reach out to if you become upset. Our 24-7 helpline for crisis calls based out of Central Florida is 407-500-HEAL. By contacting the national hotline at 1-800-656-4673, you can get support and learn about your local resources. There's always someone ready to help. Victim Service Center podcast. Here we sit down with professionals that serve survivors and victims of trauma or those who've experienced violence and have conversations about social issues. This week, we are chatting with the author of Things That Keep Me Up at Night. My name is Emily Mitchell. My pronouns are she, her, and I am the education coordinator at the Victim Service Center of Central Florida. So with me today, I have Marie McKenzie. So Marie McKenzie uses she, her pronouns and is the number one Amazon best-selling author uh, and is an accomplished registered nurse educator, community volunteer, victims advocate, and trained sexual assault nurse examiner. Uh, Marie was born in Jamaica and migrated to the United States of America in 1989 and currently resides in Orlando, Florida with her husband, George. Marie started writing in January of 2021 and her first book, Things That Keep Me Up At Night was released June, 2021. So wow, you wrote it very quickly. Um, It is a memoir based on her journey from childhood traumatic events to healing. She now writes romantic suspense, And her first book in that genre, 90 Days of Pleasure, is available where books are sold as well. So that's amazing. So Marie, very, very excited to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me today. And I also have joining us Chris Bemis. So Chris uses she, her pronouns, and is one of VSC's contract sexual assault nurse examiners. Graduating from St. Francis School of Nursing and UCF, she has served as a registered nurse for over 30 years in areas including emergency care, home health, and nursing education. Her passion is to provide compassionate, trauma-informed care. So Chris, really excited to have you on as well. So thank you so much. Thanks for having me. As a very brief introduction today, I'm super excited to be joined, of course, by author Marie McKenzie to chat about her book, Things That Keep Me Up At Night. As the bio states that I just mentioned, Marie is also one of our contracted SANE nurses here at the VSC, just as our other guest, Chris, who read Marie's work. So today we will be diving into the story Marie tells of her journey into advocating for survivors. And with that, we will discuss a bit about Jamaica and its culture in relation to sexual violence, as well as what Marie wants us to take away from this book and how to be better supporters to victims and survivors. So with that, you know, Marie, I had the pleasure, just as Chris, of reading your book, and it is very impactful 
an important telling of your life and your advocacy and ending sexual violence and supporting survivors. So could you tell the listeners a little bit about your book? My book, Things That Keep Me Up at Night, came about in January of last year, 2021. Prior to that, I had no inkling of writing anything. I was on Facebook one evening and this message just popped up in the feed about a 30-day writing challenge. I responded and went to the informational session and that session was regarding writing a memoir or self-help. So um, I chose the memoir and that's how it came about. Things that keep me up at night. <laughs> um, I was, I'm a survivor, sexual assault survivor. Um, I've had a few unpleasant experiences growing up. And so that's where that came about. It was written in about 30 days and went through editing and self-published. And here we are. Uh, important thing is a lot of victims, perpetrators are in the family. And there are a lot of times when it's shoved under the rug, it's dealt with in the family or just not dealt with at all. In, with my experience, I just didn't share it for a long time. And most of the family members only learned about it after the book was published. Yeah, and we'll talk a little bit about, um, I remember when we were doing planning meetings for this too, we talked about that there were some different reactions to that as well. And we'll, and we'll talk a little bit more about that. Um, and, and we'll dive more into it. So I just want to say, you know, thank you so much for sharing your story. I had no idea that you wrote it in 30 days. Um, did it all just like come out at once? Like what was the process like? <laughs> no, it's not. After I signed up for the challenge about a week later, I was like, oh my God, what did I do? I don't have that much to tell because it was like 50,000 words or something like that. I'm like, I'll never find 50,000 words. And so I was like, oh my gosh, I won't be able to do it in 30 days. I can't do it. And then the leader of the group I was in, she was the one who organized it. She called me one day and um, how are you with this project? I can't finish it. I'm not going to do it in 30 days why and all the excuses I came up with she was like okay you can record while you're driving you can write during your lunch break you can do this you can do that we're not leaving you behind you know so she encouraged and prodded and apparently that was a kick in the pants I needed because I started writing and, and never stopped and I actually had more than 50,000 words at the end yes we deleted um we edited out quite a bit to have to make it a great finished product but yes that's how it came about and I didn't think I was going to make it and of course some parts of it were not pleasant to write you know in, in brought back unpleasant memories so but it was therapeutic <laughs> I must say yeah I, I know that um just even like the first chapter describes one of your um experiences and it just like immediately um hooks you as it's you'd like learn about this little girl um who was you know a victim of what happened uh and we'll talk a little bit more about it but um 
it was just, it must have taken a lot of courage to write it down on the page. Um, so I really appreciate all that you do um, as far as sharing your story, but also that you do for survivors now as, as a sexual assault nurse examiner. So thank you so much. Thank you. You're welcome. And Chris, you know, what was it like reading it as someone who works with survivors of sexual violence on a daily basis? Well, if I, if I could just sum it up in one word first, um, I would say honored. I just felt so honored to be able to get a chance to read a story that I know is so, as, as Marie, you know, stated earlier, that some parts were very hard to put on the paper. Um, but just emphasizing that therapeutic part, you know, it's so great to hear Marie say that. Um, I just know it takes so much courage and strength to, uh, to tell that story. Um, so part of my job is, is giving the most compassion, trauma-informed care that I can. So Marie's book really helps me understand how each of my patients are experiencing trauma in different ways um, and how important it is to individualize the way I approach their care. So hearing stories like this and, and seeing it in print, um, it really is very therapeutic for both the caregiver and the, and the survivor or victim, wherever they are in their, in their journey. I think it's, uh, it, was, it was very helpful um, as, a, as a nurse or someone that does provide um, trauma care. I'm so glad that you brought that up, Chris, and thanks for sharing your, your feelings and thoughts on it. Because, yeah, we, on this podcast, we talk a lot about um, how individual it can be for survivors and, and reactions to trauma. And so, yeah, uplifting these stories of survivors can be really helpful in, in remembering that. Um, that everyone kind of reacts to trauma differently um, and everyone's, you know, on a different part of their healing journey. And as a healthcare professional, um, such as yourself, um, I, I really always admire people who want to come from it at a trauma-informed lens because of, you know, um, the different triggers that someone could be feeling or, you know, how you can be that, that helpful person for them too. It's, it's just really, um, it's great to hear that there's these resources like Marie's book out there that we can learn more and more to be better supporters. Marie, you mentioned your time living in Jamaica. So how, you know, can you talk a little bit about the climate of sexual violence there maybe compared to the U S is it the same? Is it a little different? Well, I'm happy to say the climate is changing. Um, years ago when I had my experience and many, many years after that, sexual violence, especially within the family, was shoved under the bed. Nobody spoke about it, even when it was widely known by all in the family or in the community. The perpetrator will still be embraced by the family. He'll be present at all functions or even in the same home. Um, so it's uh, like an open secret not <laughs> spoken about. And then that person goes on to molest others, whether in the same home or in the community. 
now I'm happy to report that it's been talked about widely and frequently by people or celebrities in Jamaica, um, encouraging others to share their story. And I'm glad to be a part of that, bringing it to the forefront. So, but many, many years ago, and still in some areas, it's just not dealt with. It's like, okay, a duck with the head in the sand, you know, and women and girls and some boys, you know, we think that sexual violence is just women and girls or young men and boys are being affected by this also. So we just got to keep our eyes open and encourage others to come forward and our children to speak up if they do experience things like that. Like in my book, I've encouraged like parents to be open with their children, keep an open line of communication and, you know, encourage them to come forward. Um, it's important for them to know what's out there, how to recognize it and to speak up. Absolutely. While you were talking, I said, you, you know, I was thinking in my head, you're part of that climate change as well. Um, you know, sharing your story, it really does sound kind of like maybe just like at the U S with like the me too movement. Did you, did you hear anything about the me too movement by the way, um, in Jamaica? I know I was here when it happened here. As, as you know, but I'm not sure there is a Me Too movement in Jamaica, but I know that the awareness and advocacy has been through the roof. Yeah, that's that's amazing that um, that there are celebrities kind of talking more about it. It seems very similar to kind of the climate of sexual violence throughout the world, um, including the U.S. And Chris, I wanted to kind of have you jump in on this too. Did, you know, while Marie was kind of chatting about it, did you see kind of parallels to the culture that we live in here in the U.S.? Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, not only in my professional life, but in my daily life and growing up, um, yeah, a lot of a lot of faith based, um, you know, that part of culture. Uh, definitely see it there. Um, so definitely can relate to that. Uh, and I'm glad that Marie bought, brought that up about um, how, you know, throughout her book, um, I did notice that, uh, you know, she does discuss openly about cultural uh, influences and, you know, faith-based influences and um, encouraging parents to, to be use communication. And um, I think that's so important. Um, I, I wanted to address one of the pages in her book that was my favorite, and that's page 78, um, because it does go a lot into that, how she talks about educating parents and how, um, you know, her, her journey, you know, definitely was not, um, not unchallenging, but just so positive. She gives a lot of positive feedback um, about how she's gotten through things. And uh, that really, I think, in 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 that one page, she she just just sums it up so much about her her journey and um, and how she makes um, her journey, even though it wasn't happy or perfect all throughout. She does, you know, see the positives and and keeps 
giving some indication on how she took the next step. And uh, it was it was a great page for me. I love okay. that you pulled a specific page out. Um, and and Marie, what is it like kind of hearing this feedback from a reader and a fellow colleague? Makes me feel proud that I um, took the opportunity to write this book and put it out there. Um, so thrilled and gratified that it's helping so many, um, many who have not never shared their story or coming forward. And it's being held, being used to help others who, you know, have shared their story and want to continue healing. So very happy about that. That's amazing. Yeah. And, and just want to uplift a couple of things that you both said. Um, like you mentioned earlier, Maria, you know, it, it does also affect, um, you know, all genders. So I appreciate that you, you bring that up. And then also, um, yeah, bringing up like the different faith-based cultures too, that definitely um, can come with, you know, the silence culture and things like that. So it's just great to see um, a physical manifestation of, you know, speaking up and taking away this shame and bringing it to light. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about what it was like writing um, this book and, and it sounds like you did that 30 day challenge, which really helped you. Um, was there ever a time where you felt like it was too difficult maybe to write it? Or how did you know, you know, as a survivor that you were ready to kind of put this on the page? I didn't know if I was ready. I just accepted the challenge and went with it. A lot of praying and soul searching and, you know, my editor and the other authors in my group were very supportive and encouraging. So um, my husband (laughs) didn't know about it until it was finished. I didn't tell him about it. had one friend, um, Marva, who I shared with, and she was very supportive and encouraging. So it's just (laughs) a lot of prayer. (laughs) Yeah, that's amazing. Just kind of, um, and also I appreciate you bringing up like, you know, there were times where you were like, I can't finish this or, or things like that. Um, And, you know, would you kind of, you know, for people who might be interested in sharing their experiences, um, you know, on a written page or something like that. Do you have any advice for survivors out there um, as they kind of want to write it and they're not sure if they're ready or they're kind of nervous to do it? Yeah, there is no set time. Um, it's when you feel that you want to do it. Just do it uh, a little at a time, even if it's one sentence per day. Um, just be aware that some people may not like it So it's not your problem, (laughs) you know, it's your story in your words, in your time, your way. So just do it and um, get the supportive group. Um, It may be one person who you have to lean on or just yourself, you know, but there are people out there, you know, advocates of VSC, you know, so, or me. You know, if you want to reach out to me, um, I'm fine with that too. But it's your story, your way, in your words, your time. I love that. It sounds incredibly empowering, which, as we know, is a very important feeling um, for survivors of trauma since it's a crime of power and control. 
it's this idea of kind of like taking that power back, owning yeah. it, your story. Yes, because there, the, the important thing is now it's no longer a secret. So it's it's out there and you can like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, kind of like lifting of this burden that we put on yeah. survivors, which, you know, the shame should not lie with them at all, right? right? Yeah. And we put that on ourselves too. You know, we walk around with the shame that doesn't belong to us. It belongs to the perpetrator. We didn't do anything wrong. Right. But then it took me a long time to accept that. Right. Because again, this culture where we, we, you know, we call it the rape culture, this idea that, yeah, it's, you know, this victim blaming mentality and things like that, um, which we'll talk a little bit about soon. Um, Marie, is there anything specific or like major themes or anything that you want your readers to walk away with when reading your book? What I would like my readers, especially females and not just female, but survivors on the whole, um, you can thrive, you know, no matter what the circumstances, you can get through it. I had a lot of um, help through my journey with each step. I mean, there were people in my community, I call them my village, who helped my mother with us um, migrating to America where I trained as a nurse. And um, I was associated with a lot of organizations like VSC, the Inner Truth Project in Port St. Lucie, who work with survivors and, you know, people who have experienced other traumas. And um, just people along the way, my aunt, Herma, who set an example, you know, and helped me to work through this. So um, it's not just one thing or one person, but each step along the way, you can thrive. I love that. And I, I remember um, reflecting on the different helpers that you've run into in your life. Um, and also now you're, you're a helper yourself. Um, and I love seeing that kind of pass that you that you have as far as like immediately you wanted to work with people who are experiencing houselessness right and, yeah. and working with them and and of course the work that you do at the VSC as well so it's um I love that you talk about your aunt Herma but I feel like you're kind of you know her now for other people if that right. makes sense yes, yeah. yes. And that's amazing yeah. so our story that we tell based on our experiences. Um, it may not seem so at the time, but it's, it will help others. And that's important. Absolutely. And, you know, Chris, I'd like to hear, you know, what did you take away as a reader? I mean, I, I definitely went into it as, as just, just, you know, an encompass of myself, I guess. Um, definitely have seen trauma on both sides of uh, my journey. So I definitely got so much out of it as a provider, that's for sure, as a care provider, but also, um, again, in a personal way too, just, just uh, you know, emphasizing again, um, that communication, that's so big for me, communicating, encouraging my family and others, um, how important that is. Uh, especially that giving your children a voice 
um, making sure that they're heard. Um, you know, I think in our culture in America, we are very, um, you know, and the way I grew up was very, uh, you know, children are seen, not heard. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> so, you know, they have to have that voice and, um, and they need to be listened to by the people that care about them. And, um, you know, like Marie uh, made reference to, you know, our, our perpetrators are not only going to be strangers. Um, and I think we emphasize so much on that uh, in our country that, you know, the stranger is the, the danger person. And, um, you know, just finding that healthy balance um, as parents and, and, and uh, others in the community that, that care for children, you know, keeping that healthy balance of, you know, not, not scaring them to death of everything, but to make them aware. Um, and I think it's really important that Marie's book really brings out how important that um, we educate our children and how are we going to do that? I really would like to see more conversation based on that um, in our education system. Um, you know, educating parents, especially, um, and how to do this with our children in a safe and healthy way. Definitely. So, yeah. I really definitely got that. I really appreciate you bringing that up too, as, as I'm, you know, giving children a voice. I think that that's so important and impactful. And um, there's a lot of parts of our culture where we kind of, in a way, teach children that their bodies aren't their own, or we discourage them setting boundaries for themselves um, when it comes to their body and other things. And so um, I do love that Marie, you, you bring that out. And then I love that Chris, you were able to see that as far as parents giving children a voice, um, empowering them to set boundaries and letting them know that um, their body is their own and whatever makes them uncomfortable, they should bring to light. And we should honor that and protect that as caregivers um, to children. You know, Chris, also, you know, we hear about Marie's kind of path to advocating for survivors in the work that she does. Um, I'd like to hear just a little bit from you as far as someone who also does that. What was it like reading that journey? And was it similar to your own? How did you find yourself be a sane nurse and things like that? Um, well, uh, I actually uh, started, I, I found out about BSC um, because I started as a volunteer. I continue to be a volunteer. Um, I'm, I've been a volunteer in some aspect and for most of my life. So I was searching for another um, uh, way to volunteer, looking for something new. Um, I, uh, in my emergency room days, I did, you know, hear about this work and always had it in my mind that it was something I wanted to pursue. Um, As I got older, I took a different path and, um, you know, wanted to get into, uh, I was in uh, nursing education uh, most recently. And I wanted to get back into patient care and thought, this is what I want to do. And once I started volunteering to be with VSC, I knew, you know, it was, it was my time to do this. So that's, that's actually how I started. Um, I, it, it really is, uh, become a passion of mine. Um, I, I really relate to the, to the, the patients so well. And I 
I find it's um, very rewarding. I, the first time I meet a patient, I'll tell them, uh, I'm so glad you're here. And then the last thing I say is thank you for being here today. So sometimes it's just a, uh, the only sense of release that I see on their face. And um, I know this is just the start of their journey. Um, so it really, it gives me a sense of peace to be able to be a positive start to their journey. So I, I really, um, I'm really glad that I'm here. I'm really glad that you're here too. Really grateful for everything that you both do, um, as, as sane nurses and, and as advocates in, in this, um, in this culture that we're in and how we're shifting it and supporting survivors. Uh, shifting a little bit, um, the conversation, I know that Marie, you were kind of referencing how this may have been the first time people were hearing about this story when you, when you wrote it, um, within your family and how, you know, we, we talk a lot about how, again, um, family members may have different like thoughts and reactions to sexual violence happening within the family. And a lot of it can be like, you know, we're not going to talk about that. I don't want to talk about it. And just kind of leaving, you know, survivors really in the dark and not able to, you know, not be good supporters essentially because of that. So I wanted to ask, you know, what happened after writing the book? What were those reactions specifically? Um, well, my aunt Herma, um, her reaction was congratulating me on writing the book and expressed regret that I hadn't given her the opportunity to help me since I had not shared it, you know. However, um, there are others who are not very happy that I shared some of the details which I did in the book, not necessarily specifically to the abuse, but other information. But the overwhelming support is positive. The overwhelming response is positive. And um, wish I had shared it earlier. So they would have, could have offered the necessary support. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I'm sure that it makes complete sense to me that you would have an overwhelming amount of positive, you know, support. Yeah. I'm glad that you, you received that. Um, would you do it again? Um, Absolutely, without a doubt. Awesome. Absolutely, without a doubt. It has allowed other family members and friends to actually share their story. I mean, privately with me, they're not ready to go public, but help them to start their healing. So without a doubt, I'd do it again. That's amazing. I know that um, through the stats that we have at the VSC, we know that on average, it takes a survivor about seven to eight years after the trauma occurred before they do tell someone or reach out for services. And obviously it could be much longer. Yes. So it's really nice to hear that it encourages individuals to reach out and get that support, however that works for them. And of course, not, that doesn't mean you have to go out and write a book and it doesn't mean right. you, have to go out and <laughs> you have to like speak publicly, but, you know, sharing, you know, with someone like Marie, um, or with a crisis counselor, giving us a call 407 500 heal, right. We're always here. Um, so just, you know, healing at your own pace, um, and just knowing that it's not your fault and there's people ready 
um, to support you. So I appreciate it, Marie, that, that you're, uh, that's amazing that you were able to see that, you know, immediate response as far as people resonating with your story and then sharing their own. That's really powerful. Um, you know, in your book, you highlight not only your personal experiences of sexual violence, but also of other survivors, as well as how bystanders responded. Often you reference people ridiculing the survivor, not taking the accusation seriously or victim blaming. So what advice do you have for people out there to be good supporters and good active bystanders? Listen, look within yourself. If you were a victim of a crime, wouldn't you want someone to help and support you no matter what the crime or event is? Um, you know, to see a victim being laughed at or shamed, it, it, it just boggles my mind. You know, men and women, stand up, you know, look within yourself and offer support. Or even silence is better than ridicule and laughter. So, you know, it's... We need a culture shift, which I'm, I'm glad it's happening, but there are still the people who are victim blaming and shaming. Absolutely. Um, I really appreciate you bringing that up. And, and I also appreciate too, throughout the book, you describe different kinds of sexual violence and you um, validate every experience because I think there are some types of sexual violence that people think like, oh, that's not a big deal or, you know, exactly. that's just normal to like, the public transportation, for example. Um, no, it's not normal. And <laughs> it shouldn't be normal. So it I appreciate that that you bring that up too. Yes, because they think if it's not intercourse or something violent, then it's no big deal. It is a big deal. Don't touch me if I don't want to be touched. If I said no, or if I don't give you consent, do not touch me. So anything like that, that's done without a consent, that's sexual violence. Very true. And I'm glad that you uplift that as well, because yeah, um, it can, it can affect everyone, you know, differently. So also very important to bring up. And then um, what would you say to a survivor who maybe is not getting the support that they need? So what would you say to a loved one who isn't sure how to support a survivor in their life? You know, just listen, try to help them find the resources because there are resources out there who can help. And sometimes you don't have the answer because most time the answer is not found within the family or in the close circle, but do some research because it's out there. Totally. Totally. And you know, and to survivors out there who maybe is not getting the support that they're, that they need. Um, you know, we're here. There's so many resources, like you mentioned, Marie, um, that are there as well. You're definitely not alone. Um, wanted to ask you, Chris, too, if you had any thoughts about, you know, for people to be better supporters or, um, or how to support a survivor in their life. Uh, I, I agree with Maria. Basically, if there's not something that you know, if you don't know what to say, silence, just sitting with a person and listening to them is, is one thing that you can do. Um, 
So I agree with that. Definitely. I love that you both brought that up because a lot of times just giving the survivor the space and time to share whatever they're looking for in that moment is more than enough. Um, and letting them honor that story too, and listening without judgment, just, just letting them, you know, share, um, you know, going off of that as well, you're, you're both healers and helpers for people affected by sexual trauma. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about how you found this work and Marie, you you talked about it as well, but, um, I wanted to ask, you know, how do you practice self-care, um, as a survivor, you can be affected by the trauma too. So wanted to to hear how you uh, practice self-care. What I have developed over the years, I do a daily gratitude journal. I each day at the end of the day, I find at least three things that I'm grateful for. And I write that down. I do meditation, you know, affirmations. I try to work out too. (laughs) So those are some of my self-care practices. I love the, the great, the gratitude journal. Um, I bet you some days that can be a little difficult uh, to find yes. those, um, but that's great. Yeah. And we talk about affirmations too and, and holistic health, right? So movement and that connection between movement and mental health is, is super, important. super um, important. How about you, Chris? What do you do for self-care? Um, I, I'm just so glad that self-care is becoming so highlighted now. Um, as for nurses, um, it, it was funny because I had someone when I was uh, in the education system, um, I had someone approach me. Um, it was an IT person and um, they were able to go into uh, different classrooms of different types of students like um, where I work, we had physical therapy students, we had nursing students. And uh, he said to me, you know what, Chris, what, if this, what the difference is between education of nurses and other providers is that the other providers, the first thing that they learn is how to take care of themselves. And they said, but nurses, they start with how to take care of others. And I said, you know what, you're right. And it, I think it's so important that this is coming out now. And I really hope that um, it continues because uh, I didn't realize how traumatic it is when you don't, you know, take time for that self-care. And it really does. It can really affect you as a provider, especially if you're taking care of patients that are traumatized. Um, so I have definitely learned over the years that getting outside for me is my key. Um, I love to be outside. I immediately feel that relief when I'm hiking or cycling or, you know, taking the time to get away to camp. Um, That for me is, is, is everything. It really does help me. And that's definitely my self-care. And I'm so glad I can refer to it as that now. Okay. It's time for me to go outside and get my self-care and everyone gets it now. (laughs) Yeah, I love how normalized it's become too. I appreciate mm-hmm. you bringing that up. And mm-hmm. and also, I, I love that you both kind of shared what works for you because self-care is so individualized. So, so yeah, it's great to hear kind of like, oh, this worked for me. And then people listening be like, oh, let me try that. Let me see if that works for me too. 
I'm so appreciate that. And I know Chris, we, we talked about how rewarding it is being a sane nurse for you. Um, you know, Marie, how about you? How, how is this kind of work rewarding for yourself? One of the stories I recall is months after caring for a survivor, I met her in the hospital and how related she was, oh, you did my rape kit. And, you know, they caught the person and, you know, she was so grateful. And other survivors, you know, who expressed their gratitude at the time of the encounter. So, and even if um, I don't see them again, or they don't say thank you, just knowing that I'm there to provide the service for them, caring for them, it's rewarding. I love that. I love that you have those like stories um, to remind you, but then also just, again, everyone's healing is different and just being a part of that journey, um, however long or short that is, um, as far as your role, I can see why it would be really rewarding. Um, Marie, I'd love to know how can people find your book? My book is available on Amazon, Apple, Kobo, Barnes and Nobles, Target, and Walmart. So wherever books are sold, <laughs> things that keep me up at night. That's amazing. So like if you, what's it like seeing your book like in these stores? It's, it's, it's amazing. I, one time I, uh, a reader messaged me from UK. That's when the book was just released. And um, she said, it says not available. So I called Amazon UK. This was not seeing, this was just a, an experience. And I was talking to the representative and she said, oh, you are the author. And I said, yes. And she said, oh my God, I'm speaking with an author. I was like, <laughs> it was just like, it was exciting. I'm like, oh yes, I'm the author. I'm an author. It's just like, yeah, it, it, it's amazing when I go online and I see my book books available at all these different venues. So cool. That's awesome. So yeah, um, definitely a, a great read as, as someone you can um, really dive in and read it really quickly, I feel like. Um, so yeah, definitely encourage anyone listening to uh, pick it up, read it. It's, it's a great worthwhile uh, work. And, you know, maybe a survivor who would like to read it might be a little hesitant that it could be triggering. Do you have any like tips for them? I would just say, uh, take it, take it one page at a time. And um, I think that uh, writing and journaling, um, like Marie says, can be very therapeutic. So try that when you're while you're reading it, maybe you need to stop and maybe you need to write some about your journey. Um, you don't have to write a book. You can throw it away afterwards. Um, but I would say it's definitely um, worth trying to read. It, it's, it's definitely um, can be difficult uh, to read. But again, if you need to skip to page 78 um, and then go back um, to know that Marie um, is thriving, um, I'll use her words. You can survive and thrive on page 78. 
um, to start there and then go back. Um, but those, those would be my um, recommendations uh, because it definitely uh, is, a, is a book worth, worth reading. And I think will be um, uh, very helpful. I think that that's a wonderful place to kind of wrap up uh, here. But before we do, is there any last thoughts that you want to bring up? Anything you'd like to say to survivors out there? Anything before we sign off? I just want to remind not just survivors, everyone, be aware. Predators don't just hunt on the street. They prey where they are trusted, in our homes, in our schools, in our churches. So wherever you have your children, these trusted individuals, be aware. Definitely. Yeah, I appreciate that once again to kind of, um, you know, eight out of 10 times it is someone the survivor actually knows. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's important that we understand as bystanders that, um, you know, believe survivors when they come forward, believe children when they come forward and understand that, um, you know, having these conversations can mean the difference, right? So yes. appreciate that, Marie. Anything you want to add uh, before we sign off, Chris? It's okay if you don't. I, just, just keep going. It's okay if, if you have a step back. Um, just seek positive people and resources. They are out there. Thank you so much, Chris. And thank you, Marie. This was so great. Thank I you. really appreciate you both. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. Thank you, Marie. Appreciate and it. Thank you to the listener for listening to the Victim Service Center podcast. The VSA is a nonprofit organization that provides free confidential counseling services for victims and survivors of any kind of trauma in Central Florida. So to learn more about our services, please visit victimservicecenter.org and to everyone healing um, and to everyone listening, healing is not linear and you are not alone. And thank you once again, Marie and Chris for joining on this special episode today. So thank you so much. Our pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.